0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Things I Haven't Even Told My Therapist. My name is Connor Lloyd, and for new listeners, I'm an all-else, mostly normal college student who has dealt with depression and anxiety. Through the lens of my experience and the stories of my friends, I want to change the ways that we as academic institutions, athletic organizations, and overall society address matters of mental health. As always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tatum and Gotti. Tate, how are you? Woo!
1: Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, doing... Well, I guess I'm doing okay. I always like do this thing where people ask, they're like, Hey, how are you? And I'm like, Good and then before I like take the time to actually think about how I'm doing and then I like backtrack and I'm like, Wait, I'm not doing good. I'm doing very okay. I'm (laughs) getting by. Yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, fair. I think that's a very fair place to be and I'd say good amount of this campus would probably agree with you in that as well.
1: Definitely. You can feel the finals. Tension in the air.
0: Yeah, and yeah. a very um, long-awaited break for, I think, many on this campus, too.
1: Oh, yes. I'm so excited.
0: Well, um, anyway, um, I'm really excited to share the interview we have today. It's a bit of a, a, a more touchy subject, um, dealing with loss, dealing with grief. Um, yeah, Tatum, you want to add anything to that?
1: Um, I just want to say this is obviously like from one person's point of view and everybody experiences grief differently but I think that what he has to say is really cool and he was really well spoken so I'm really excited for people to hear what our guest of honor has to say and I hope it helps some people too.
0: I think we'll do a longer breakdown after the interview so please stick around Mm -hmm. but I will (laughs) send it off to my friend Alex Albrecht in the studio. Hello and welcome. Today in the studio we have my good friend Alexander Albrecht from the sunny SoCal area around Claremont, California. That lucky bastard. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, thank you so much for having me.
2: It's a, it's a treat.
0: Yeah, as, as always, um, it's such a pleasure to hear your perspective on everything, hear your perspective on life. I can't wait for our listeners to be able to experience that as well. But anyway, just kind of from the jump, I wanted to opportunity to share your story from the summer, um, what you went through, and how it's affected your view on life and your own experience.
2: Absolutely, I'll start with a little bit of lead-in. So, I've always I've loved music for a long time in my life. Um, I started with you, Connor, in middle school and playing through high school. So some. And trombone and that sort of thing. And wait, I started wait, wait. playing guitar in high school. too. Did
1: Connor play?
0: Yeah, what, Connor played what? Trumpet? Saxophone.
3: Oh, gosh.
0: You, oh, you played, sax, right? you played sax. I played sax for four years. A,
3: what? Yeah.
2: A true candy D.
1: Oh, my God. That's news. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: Yeah, no. So I've done a little bit of music growing up. Um, and then coming into college, I had a guitar and would, would play in my room by myself sometimes. And, um, this one, this one day back home in Seattle, I think after freshman year or no, before junior year of college, um, I met up with this girl, Lily Silver from, um, from Seattle. Um, we became friends and we decided let's try to start a band together, which was, was a scary step, but. Uh, We sort of, we scrounged up some kids from around campus, a guitar player and a drummer named Luis and Graham and started practicing, trying to write songs and all of that and ended up over the course of last year playing a bunch of shows around campus, just having a really great time really. It felt, it felt like we were doing something so fun and so like true to who we were, like we were really on top of the world Um, and it kept getting better, you know, better and better. So we finished the year strong. We had a couple really cool shows in like off campus for the first couple times um, in l a and we played in Seattle over winter break and so we we had plans over the summer to do like a mini world tour, a like three stop Seattle metropolitan area world tour. Uh, so we did that, and we all lived together over the summer together and practiced a lot, played a lot, just spent a lot of time together over this entire year and we played a few bars and then we are culminating, you know, star of the summer was a, was a music festival called Bumber or called Capitol Hill block party, not Bumbershoot um, <laughs> in Seattle. And that was just like, wow, we're really like, we're playing music. We're in a band. This is so incredible. And part of it was, was personal, like gaining self-confidence and, and, Uh, sort of courage to be who I was which was not something I felt like I had fully developed up until that point and some of it was just you know the sheer fun of it and so we finished up we had one last show at this place called Central Tavern that Connor actually came to hell yeah Um,
0: brought the house down it was
2: awesome
0: (laughs) it was awesome
2: Um, so we had you know it was fun it was it was the most fun I've ever had over the course of a year and then um, the next day I left town to go to my aunt's wedding and found out as soon as I got to Chelan, which is where I was going, that um, Graham, our drummer and, you know, one of my closest friends for the year had died, um, just, just passed away in, in an accident and like a freak accident, you know, like something that could happen to anyone at any time. And it was, I guess, like nothing I've ever felt before which is why it's hard to describe what it was like, but sort of as if there's a structure to the world around you all the time. And then, and then the structure kind of disappears and you just kind of look at things in a new way. Um, you didn't realize that everything was being held up by all these rigid assumptions and stuff until they were gone. Yeah, it was just, it was really, really hard. And I don't know, you don't expect a 23 year old to die just like none of us expect to die in any day, but I, yeah, I guess that just started like the, it happens. And then what do you do from there? Like you can't, you can't just stop living. Like you still, I still have the wedding to go to, you know, like that's the next day. That's the happiest day in my aunt's life. And that was, still meaningful to go to that, but it's just a weird sort of, it started, a. I had to try to reconcile the, I guess, more naive world that I'd known before, before ever feeling a loss like that. Um, and I had to sort of figure out what are these assumptions that I've been making about my life and how many of them can I really hold to be true? Like, I'll always get another show or, you know we'll do the band after college. Those are specific things, but just anything like.
3: Those are specific things, but just anything like. I've talked about this through the lens of the band, because that's the easier way for me to think about it. But the most obvious and most painful is just that I'll never see Graham again. You know, he was a bandmate, but he was also one of my best friends for (laughs) for a long time. And to have such like a, he was so vibrant and alive, like more than anyone else I know. And so to just have that incredible presence gone um, is really difficult. Like he was, he was so creative. He was so fun. He was like, he loved to play with kids. He loved to talk with old people. He had this way about him that I've never seen in anyone else that he just made people feel comfortable and feel at ease. And he could talk to anyone about anything and they knew that he cared about them, like with no ulterior motives, just like, just pure curiosity and goodwill. And yeah, he's, he's, you know, to date, one of the greatest people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And that's the hardest part, you know, for me, that's the hardest part. Just a wonderful person and a wonderful friend and a wonderful human being that is just no longer here, you know, in any way, except for in memory and in the lives of the people who loved him and who he loved. But yeah, it's easier for me to talk through the band lens and that's the, that's the lens I feel most comfortable taking, I think. But I do want to acknowledge that, yeah, he was just, he was absolutely one of a kind. Um, I loved him very much. I looked up to him in many ways and it still doesn't make sense to me that that presence is, is gone. So, yeah. If I had been
2: there, maybe he wouldn't have died, but maybe I would have died in the car crash, you know, the next day. Like it's that sort of just random thing that it wasn't very comfortable for me to realize that people you hold dear and things you hold dear can just be sort of in the hands of chance.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think also your your take on it, your, um, your perspective, is one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on, in that as long as I've known you, you were always someone that – when in times of extreme hardship you have always been someone who's been so good at pulling yourself together and being there for the people around you regardless like what you were saying about having to be present at your aunt's wedding nonetheless um and I I've always been really appreciative of of that perspective on life that you have um and I, I think as as we've continued to stay connected after the events of this summer, um, it's something that I've only seen grow deeper in you. Um, in in just a kind of general, um, I think gratitude and really well grounded perspective on just what it means to like be alive and, and a true appreciation for for living and just being there and being present for those who are still with you. So I, I just wanted to maybe maybe see if you would want to elaborate on what that sense of gratitude has meant to you and um, how you've seen it develop through, through this process because I think it's something that at our age is so hard to really wrap your head around that our time here is finite and being grateful for every moment and every second and every individual that comes through our life is, is such a gift and something that I've always really admired about you. And I was wondering if you could um, kind of explain how you get there.
2: Yeah. Thank you. And as far as the gratitude goes, yeah, I remember just, I remember waking up the the next morning after finding out and just being like, damn, like he's still gone, but I'm still waking up. Like I still have a day to go through, you know, Mm -hmm. in some ways, like any other day. And that was, yeah, it sounds kind of (laughs) silly to call it just like a damn moment, but It really was. I was like, wow, just like huge colossal shift. But, you know, things are still kind of the same. Like you wake up, you have breakfast, you go to work, you know, you do whatever. I think that part of putting his passing into perspective for me and and being grateful for it was realizing easier for him than with an older person, I think, realizing that it could have been me easily could have been me and so I guess it made me think if today was my last day would I would I really want to be I don't know would I want to end the day in a crappy mood like I wish I'd done this or like stuff is unfair and against me or stuff like that and I I definitely acknowledge this all comes from a place of huge privilege of having a you know easy upbringing and comfortable and, you know, supportive family and all that. Not everybody gets that. And I think it might be harder to have my attitude if you didn't have, I don't know, the same upbringing or the same sort of genetic luck, I guess, to have a, have a positive mindset when things are hard. I I don't take that lightly that I don't think that's something you can just choose to do necessarily. Mm. But yeah, I think I, I try to find little bits of, of anything of conversation of just little moments in the day that bring me happiness or I kind of make them bring me happiness. Maybe like one example, a couple of days ago, there was, there was this thing called farm fest at Claremont, it's like people go out and grill food and there's like a, like a jam set up with music gear and like lawn games and you know, it's the fun afternoon thing to do. And I went down. And I was in a terrible mood because <laughs> i've I've been working on thesis, um, which I just finished a draft for today, and then two other like
3: Woo-hoo.
2: you know big final papers and tests and stuff. So I was just feeling kind of buried and in a bad mood. and I went down there and <clears throat> wasn't planning on playing or anything because that's been sort of slow to come back since Grand passed. but the kid who had been playing face just sort of saw me and it was like yo Alex my finger hurts like come sub me out and I did I went down and played and just kind of jammed with these kids and with Luis too actually our guitar player he hopped on drums and we just kind of jammed him and, and my mood just like it just got so much better not because I played really but because I I took the time to be present I think and to I don't know I think for musicians or people who like music, it's a little different to enjoy music, to dance or to feel, you know, the way music moves you. I think that's not an uncommon thing to feel, but yeah, I think the more universal thing is just picking something and being like, yeah, there's other stuff I have to do. Maybe there's, you know, bad stuff that's happened, but we have right now and it's a pretty afternoon and I'm doing something kind of fun with my friends and, you know, in, in some cases that has to be enough. Like it has to be enough to make you, to make you grateful and happy. So yeah, I think for me just finding if something isn't good, pick something that is good and focus on that. And I guess not don't, for me, I, I try not to block out the, the bad thing because that's, you know, that it matters and it shouldn't just be pushed down. But while you hold your pain or your suffering or your sadness, Hold that in one part of you, and hold like the beauty in the other part of you as well. I think one of the best pieces of advice I got through this process was from this lady, Laura Lipsky, who's uh, Michaela and Leah's mom. She's a trauma. She works in trauma expert, and she's our friend. So she was really helpful to all of us after losing Graham. And she just said, like, you are supposed to feel exactly how you do feel and it doesn't help you it hurts you to to hold it back and I found that very 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 useful and, and valuable for me if some days I feel good then that's okay I'm not I don't have to feel terrible all the time and if I feel terrible then that's okay too like that's just you know sometimes it just hits you really hard from from somewhere the the missing of someone and, and it's okay to feel that and it's good to feel that it's sort of a, it's a reminder of how much you cared. And it's a reminder that I don't know, a reminder that you're alive and to, to keep going, I guess.
0: Wow. That, that quote from yeah. um, Dr. Dr. Lipsky is <laughs> that's some really powerful stuff. I, I think as I listen to your story, I think a lot about um, something we've both kind of alluded to is like at our age, there's just sort of like, or infallible nature of life, where where everything seems so good until all of a sudden, like you may lose someone or someone may lose someone, and that just kind of shakes your whole world. And it's different from losing a loved one or an or an elder, especially when it's somebody that's sort of on your level. what What was your experience like kind of having to maybe be one of the few in in your circles that really understood um, that on? our age group or in our age group or at that level um, that maybe some people who don't um, go through that can understand?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I guess what I remember of coming back to school was just feeling kind of, kind of anxious of having to talk about it, especially when it's more raw. It's just sort of, I don't know, everyone, you know that everybody means well and, But even fielding like a, I'm so sorry, or actually at that point, um, no one knew yet. So it was sort of like people, you know, when they would see me around campus would think of the band first usually. So they'd ask, Oh, like, how was the band so awesome? And, um, we weren't, we hadn't like shared the news yet. So we were just kind of like, Oh, you know, like it was good. So I, for a while at the start of the year, um, you know, when obviously it wasn't, and for a while at the start of the year it was like living this kind of double double reality where a few people people very close to me knew what was going on but i guess like the fans of the band or my more casual friends didn't and kind of living that together sort of holding those two things together of of knowing having some people know and some people not know was kind of exhausting and and stressful sort of putting on the act in the face but it was it was a relief to me when there was like an email from the school and stuff and that made me feel sort of a little more at peace and then you just sort of feel people's condolences and and say thank you but there's there's really there's not too much to say you know other than thank you. I, or it's hard. And thank you when someone says, I'm so sorry, like you can only say thank you so many times, you know, and it, it means a lot. It, it means a lot to have people reach out and I, I appreciated it a lot, but yeah, I guess it, it's hard for me. I still, I think I still kind of think of myself as invincible in like a weird way. Um, I, know, I think we all, or most of us do probably. But after, after having that brush with death at such a young age with somebody so close, it feels, uh, it feels more realistic. And I think it's kind of shifted my view about the things that I want to do with my life sort of after graduation or just right now. I think before we were riding this sort of this roller coaster upwards of playing in a band and, doing cool things and meeting cool people and, you know, like going to the studio and I don't know, going to cool parties and stuff. Like it was, it was really fun. And then I, and then after Graham passes, like I, I kind of just wanted more, I guess I saw that that path, like I can still see it sort of in my head. Like there's a path that I'm on. And like a few months ago, there was this like trail up to the left. that was like, that was really fun and and fulfilling and cool and like kind of crazy, but that path is blocked off now. So yeah, I guess I just found myself wanting more, more peace and quiet and sort of close company and close friends who understand more about you than, I don't want to give the impression that we were in like a really popular band or something because we weren't at all but it's just something there's something nice about being with people so close around you and part of that actually came also from his family seeing Graham's family Um, we spent a lot of time with them I mean before but also after um, a lot of time and they live on Bainbridge and they just have this community that's just so sort of loving and vibrant and maybe five families or ten families who for each other all the time and whose kids all grew up together and go camping together and who sing and dance, play music together. And I think seeing that made me realize that a, a community like that, a family like that is, I guess, what I would want out of this life and not so much the, the more surface level things, even though they seem, so, so glamorous and glittery from when you don't have them, I guess. And that was also, relating to his family, that was another thing that made it so hard is I felt that every time I, every time I understood somewhat like what had really happened, like that my friend had died, every once in a while I would like feel like I had a good grip on that. I understood it. I understood what it meant. And then I would just think of it from someone else's perspective, someone who lost their older brother or their son or their boyfriend or their, you know, grandson, like for each person, it's just so much sadness and so much grief, like that I couldn't comprehend. Um, and like, we were close for sure, but I don't kid myself that there were, many people who spent more time with him were closer with him. Um, and that's okay. Like we can all grieve, you know, in our own ways, no matter how close you were to someone. But yeah, I think just thinking about how it affects other people too was just, it was, it was really hard. Like that would, that would shake my grip on the whole thing a little bit more. Um, cause I have a brother too. And you know, if I imagine losing my brother, that's a whole, it's a whole different sort of beast to wrangle. So, but his family is is absolutely wonderful. They've been so welcoming and so gracious and um, sort of feel sort of like a second family now. And I think, I hope and I think that us kids feel that way to them too. I think that when all the people who knew him get together, it feels a little bit more like he's there. When his kid friends are there, and his grown-up friends are there, and his, you know, each person has a slightly different image of who like that person is, who Graham was. So when more people are together, you you can still like learn new things about a person and deepen your understanding of them, even though they're just not here anymore. Um, but it was it was definitely very healing and valuable to be with the band, all of his friends, his family. I felt, I felt really grateful to have that experience, especially considering how I can't imagine how many people around the country and world like lose a super close loved one and like they have to go to work on Monday. Like you just work all day. You don't have like, you don't have a friend's mom who happens to be a trauma expert. You don't happen to be off, like not working during the summer and, able to spend time together like just processing and reliving and sharing memories and funny stories and you know like crying together and I felt fortunate to have that outlet yeah Wow.
1: I'm just wondering is the band like still together
2: um we are I would say that we are not really together as a band right now we're just all really close friends Mm -hmm. so we spend a lot of time together but I think the idea of like finding a new drummers still feels like pretty far off yeah. mm. and I'll be graduating in the spring. So yeah, I think I, I have started to play a little bit with like Luis and um, hang out with Lily a lot, but I think as a band we're definitely on, on hold at least for a while. Yeah, that was one of the one of the like side effects that seems really trivial and is really tri- trivial but still had an effect like we were we were all going to live together in in Socal and like try to keep doing the band thing after graduating and you know, it's just a change of plans in in one way to look at it um, which is not I don't think is the right way to look at it. But. There's just all these sort of different ways that it ripples through ripples through my life there's like the very real raw painful feeling of losing a friend and and there's all these weird little secondary and a, like ancillary ripples that will just kind of sneak up on you when you don't expect them like an example as I was walking through Pitcher, which is right next door um, with my girlfriend Alexa and we we just like heard someone else playing live music. It was some other student band or something playing. And I just like heard these, like the way you can tell um live music, I've found out is from far away, is you can just hear the symbols of the drums mm-hmm. really well, but not the actual rest of the drums. So we were just like walking and from far away, I just heard this like symbol wash coming over the, the walkways. And I was like, it just stopped me in my tracks. And I think I, I was hearing what somebody else would have heard when we were playing in that same spot, you know, some other random kid, like walking from one place to another, not going to the show, but hearing, hearing the show, hearing Graham playing drums. And I think me hearing that, knowing that we weren't going to play and that like, I was never going to play with Graham again. just was like in that moment, like just so sad. And it was, triggered by hearing it you know
0: yeah right well mu- i mean music is also such a powerful visceral thing across all levels of um a feeling of grief of just emotional states and mood um and mm. i mean that's a whole rabbit hole that we could go down at a- any given time that you want to but i think i think what's particularly powerful of with your story is its adjacency to the art of music And um, I think everybody has their own creative outlet that channel their feelings in some way. But I I think music for individuals that even those who haven't played is something that is such an outlet, such a such a source of relief at times or something to just really lay into and have a cry to. And um, I mean, I played saxophone, so I don't fall in that category, but. um, (laughs) um, Big man over here. Yeah, but. Uh, I think the power of music is something that, especially when it comes to mental health and also just dealing with struggles and grief, is is something that has been so important in my life. And I think it plays such an interesting role in your story. Whereas um, for me, where, where it might be a source of relief for some, for you, it's, it's a source of grief or, or adds to a feeling of loss. But at the same time, it's your go-to creative outlet and something that brings you a lot of joy and a lot of peace. But how do you see your relationship with music continuing to develop and how how has it been there for you personally I understand the role of the band as a side yeah
2: knowing that it does bring some it brings sadness in some ways and relief and joy in other ways is an interesting way of looking at it that I hadn't thought of before but yeah I remember in the short days afterwards I remember I would always just sort of, I would pick up a guitar and like, I don't know, I'm not a whiz on guitar and I just, it just felt like a comforting thing to have and to like fiddle with and just play music, you know, play little chord progressions or something. Like it, it really, it felt like the only thing I could do to like, the only thing to do with my hands or my body, like I had to do something and, and playing guitar felt like the right thing to do so in that way at the start it was really valuable to me as a outlet for what i was feeling which i didn't understand really and don't know if i don't know if i still do i think to this day i think that the only time i really understood what happened was when like i first heard like the 10 seconds after first hearing i think i fully understood what it it, what it means to have someone's life end and then ever since then I think my brain has sort of confused it like hidden the meaning of it from myself to protect myself which is interesting and that's sort of that's another tangent but yeah music for me I you know I love 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 listening to music and I haven't actually found that listening to music has brought me sadness around this except for listening to like recordings of us play of Josie on the Rocks play which I have we all have I don't know hundreds of voice memos of little rehearsal like fuck arounds and stuff and those you know it turns out that those are the ones that we value the most now me Lily and Luis because you have Graham saying like Cracking in the background, or like, you know, just some silly stuff, and so those those I think are just the epitome of bittersweet. Like you just have a you have like a great memory of like, wow, that was so fun and so funny, and some like beautiful music around it that we made at one point together, and just like a little sort of savory piece of memory, and. It's a, it's a hard thing for me to to know that that's like that stays in the past that's like a piece from back there and it's it has to stay there but you can still enjoy it and you can still think it's pretty or funny yeah i think my and i guess since being back at school i've played drums a couple times i i really don't like I've played drums like five times in my life. I just like kind of hit hit them around, you know. I had a late class this semester and afterwards I would like go up to the music room that we have here on campus and just go in and like play some drums terribly for like 45 minutes and then like be ready to go to bed. Just feels good. It's kind of fun to see like this is me as a beginner in something that like Graham was a total expert in you know apart from him being an awesome person, great friend, great kid and brother and all that like he was a badass drummer. So like there's a little bit of connection to him that I get from playing drums myself. So that's definitely a work in progress. And as far as the other instruments go, bass and guitar, I I have them in my room and I I play them when I have a little bit of free time and yeah, I would say he's never far from my mind when I play. And then, as far as listening goes, <laughs> there was this time he he had this George Strait um, cassette, and we like we listened to it a bunch driving somewhere because his cassette player was the only thing that worked in his car, and we just <laughs> like so. There's like a George Strait cassette that we all love now that makes us think of him, and there's little there's little sort of mementos left everywhere I think and and as the time's gone by and and I think more about what it means for him to be back there and gone and for me to still be here moving forward it it does bring me joy to have to have those little like pieces to hold on to in a song or a voice memo or a little thing I can play on bass and remember him saying like, Oh, that's awesome or you know <laughs> silly things like that but they're really they're fun and meaningful for me to hold on to as I go forward. Well,
0: that's awesome.
1: Do you think that like as time has passed and as you've started to heal or I guess like reconcile with the fact that he's gone, has it become easier to keep playing or maybe not easier, but just like different maybe to keep playing music?
2: Yeah, I wonder. Um, in, in one way, I think it's easier because I know a lot of the things that I do now will never... I think I have a lower standard for myself. I think maybe I recognize music more as like a, a coping or a health or a maybe just like a solely personal thing more than I did before. But I would say overall on some, I think the easiness and the something becoming easier because I hold, hold myself to a lower standard of like, what will other people think might be bounced out by the, by it being harder because there isn't that sense of camaraderie of making the song together. Good question.
0: So Alex, I I don't want to keep you for too long tonight. I've been so grateful for everything you've said so far. Really? What, your story comes down when looking at the bigger picture is really something that really goes in line with the whole reason I, I wanted to put the show together and why I, I thought of you as someone I, I wanted to have on is the idea of breaking taboos and and shattering the idea of what we normally talk about in society from the onset it was men's mental health but since then there's been so many different categories in discussion and I think one that has been completely avoided is loss and grief. And I think as noted earlier, it's something that is almost completely avoided in our age group. And and, I mean, it makes sense because I don't have any statistics at hand, but very few people our age actually have to deal with the loss of, especially peers, plenty of older relatives, I'm I'm sure. But I, I think if we've learned anything from you today, but, and of course it's a very personalized experience, but, um, As you look forward to how we discuss these topics and these matters, and if you were to see someone go through what you went through, how would you frame the idea and feeling of grief, and how would you recommend they process those feelings from your perspective?
1: Or even, like, how do you think, like, other people should interact with people who've experienced grief? I feel like it's... It people can feel like it's uncomfortable for whoever's grieving to talk about when that may not be the case. So I'd like to hear like your perspective on that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's great. I think you're you're super right that people don't talk about death nearly enough. I think we all should. I think young people should. I think old people should. It's like the only guaranteed thing, you know, is we're all going to die at some point. And if we don't outlast them everyone we love is going to die too and it sounds so sad to say that that everyone we love will die and that we will all die but like I don't think it has to be I don't think it has to be so sad it's like I think you just take it and you there's like there are pretty things that you can hold from that for yourself for your own life and for for your treatment of others you know while we share this little our little spark as far as talking to people The thing that I love to hear most that felt apt and felt real, I guess, felt, yeah, I guess it just felt real was when people would say, I know I have no idea what you're feeling right now, but I'm so sorry and I'm always here for you. Like, it's just so simple and just like I wouldn't know if I were my age and one of my friends lost someone and I hadn't lost Graham, like I wouldn't know what it's like. So I think really all there is to say is, and even if I had lost Graham, like people, it's different. It's so different. And I saw that with all of my close friends who were affected by Graham's passing is that it's so different for each person. So even with, you know, my bandmates or with his other close friends, like, I don't know what you're feeling. Like, I can't imagine it, and I'm so sorry, and, like, I'm here. I think that felt, it felt the most real. It felt the most meaningful, and when someone said that, I always felt less alone, I think, that acknowledging that you don't understand how someone else feels is, it it somehow felt really powerful to me, Um, and I don't think that's necessarily restricted to death I think with relationships or with disappointment or success or you know any big feeling that someone is having I love that phrase big feelings (laughs) my aunt and uncle always used to say that like are you having big feelings right now (laughs) yeah so when people are having big feelings like I can't understand what it feels like like if Connor's going through something really tough like I don't know what it feels like for him but like I think just saying, like, I don't know, man, but I'm sorry and, like, I'm here for you is—it feel it felt meaningful to me.
1: Yeah, that makes total yeah. sense. I mean, do you also think, like—I know I feel like with death, people will often, like, tiptoe around it and maybe, like, not want to bring it up for fear that it, it'll make you uncomfortable or sad or something. Do you think— like that's always the case or do you think like it's sometimes it's nice to talk about and it's needed to talk about and so like tiptoeing around it isn't the greatest option
3: yeah
2: yeah I agree um at the same time I definitely agree with that I also think there for some people it it is like worse to talk about it Mm. some people would rather not and I think that's fine too but for me it always felt good like at the end of the day if you talk about it you'll cry you'll be really sad and then and then what happens right like you bawl your eyes out and then you are still I don't know you're fine at the end of it like it's almost like a rinse and reset like yeah getting a good cry in and just being like okay like that felt good I felt what I, was, what I had inside me. Yeah, I think that's what I liked about talking about it is it didn't let me just boil, bottle up all these big feelings. You get them out and you share them, and I think when they came out for me, I realized they weren't as big and scary. They were as big but not as scary as they felt, and that has definitely related to other aspects of my life too since and just like if something's really bugging you and if it's stress or if it's like worry or anxiety, like it helps me to address it. And once you shine your sort of light on it with your, your thinking, thinking about it, it always is not as big as it seems to be. And I always feel better for having, having addressed it.
0: All right, Alex, well, thank you so much for being willing to call tonight. Thank you for sharing that story. We were pre- pretty close to first in-studio cry on this podcast. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know about you.
1: Mm, Connor, just let it out. I know, I know.
0: I probably will. <laughs> I don't know. I, but, got, I got some well Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But Alex, as always, it's such a pleasure talking to you. Your perspective on everything is always so refreshing and so promising and so helpful. And I, I, I think it's somebody it's something that a lot of people could use more of in their life. And I've been really lucky to have a friend like you. So thanks, man.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was so nice to hear you speak about this. And you were very eloquent. And honestly, I'm just very impressed with how well you've like taken this and you seem to just have like such a level head about it, which is really thank you. Impressive and inspiring.
2: Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me and Connor. I'm lucky to have you as as a friend too. Tatum as a new friend. I'm grateful as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. Alex, we'll let you go. Thanks again. And of course be in touch soon. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just want to extend another thank you to Alex for sharing his thoughts. I thought that was such an incredible interview.
1: Oh, absolutely. I just feel like can't get over how wise he is. (laughs) Like I felt like I was talking to like a wiser, older person who's lived so much life, but I guess that's just what like experiences do to people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I think one of the bigger takeaways, um, at least for myself, and when I'm really having a bad day is trying to focus on focusing on the small things that mm-hmm. bring you joy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, th- I think a lot of what he said really applies to so many things further than grief, further than loss. But uh, I, I really appreciate the way it opened a level of discourse and thought in my own life. Um, it's been about a week since we recorded that interview, but it's, it's had me thinking about certain things in life quite a bit differently. Yeah. I think especially as we look to our campus in the last several weeks. As, as it grieves the loss of, of one of our freshman students, uh, I think the, the the finite nature of life is um, all the more pressing. And yeah, and it's it's just been a really relevant topic in my life recently. Surprisingly, almost out of nowhere. So
1: I know I, know. I feel like it's kind of strange. At like I didn't really know that many young people who have passed. Lucky for me like, at my high school or anything. And then coming to Bowdoin, we've had quite a few of our peers pass away since being here. So it's it's definitely a weird thing to come to terms with and conceptualize. And I think he did a really... I think Alex did a really great job, like, putting that into words because it is so hard to figure out the words for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, personally speaking, there was the the situation last year. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, there was really only one kind of instance like that. And before that, I pretty much had no, no, no perception of loss, at least on like a peer to peer scale. Yeah. I'd, I'd lost family members, Yeah, uh, like grandparents and an uncle. But that was all it really extended to. And that was my whole understanding of, of grief and loss up to that point, which yeah. I guess I'm pretty lucky for. But
1: yeah, I, I feel the same. Like, I've lost one of my, like, really great family friends. He was, like, a second dad when I lived in New Jersey. And then also my aunt a couple of years ago, which were both, like, very young as well, like, probably 50s. But mm-hmm. it still just seems so different to have someone our own age and our own stage of life past like that just feels a lot
0: also I think just like the sudden nature yeah exactly as well too exactly that that interview with Alex I think there it leaves a lot to take away from and a a lot of different experiences with regard to mental health and mental well-being and um, all around just scope of life and Mm -hmm. thinking about where we are right now and where we are looking forward especially at such a crucial turning point in our lives being college students and us in particular as seniors yeah so yeah I really appreciated him putting his thought to that
1: yeah I did too and I I really think what he said about like how he's gone about dealing with it is applicable to so much more than just death yeah I mean on our team I know he talked about like Finding the little things to be grateful for and like Uh joy in the little things. And that's something that I found. Like on our team, we had to text someone every night for a month, like three things we were grateful for. And obviously, the more you do it, the more like nuanced they become. So it ended up being like, oh, like the way that the tower looks when the sun is shining, like just on one side of it and stuff like that. And Those actually, I I feel like I started to like notice more throughout my day too. I was like, this is something that I really like and enjoy about this.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's also just like a cool exercise in like conscientiousness. Yeah. As opposed to like our, especially for our generation, which is one that is so, so in in tune with just like picking up our phones when we're Mm -hmm. walking somewhere. Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, With regard to just like taking in your surroundings and like finding pleasure in those things around you. Um, Yeah. I agree.
1: And it's also, like, Alex kind of talked about it, too. It is a process, and it's, Mm -hmm. like, something that you have to practice. So it's not going to be, like, easy first, obviously. But I think the more you do it, the easier it becomes, and then it starts to be a habit. Right. And that's that's really valuable when it does start to become a habit.
0: Right, right. And I think the other interesting thing Alex talked about was um, his just natural disposition. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, as long as I've known him, he's always been – he's always – been the definition of a glass half full guy and I think he's totally right in acknowledging the fact that that people come with like a natural disposition one of the one way or the other and um, sometimes there's a genetic factor to that and especially with dealing with mental health and and all the sort of all the things that can come and everybody's an individual and there's so many different cases to be spoken to but I think as you mentioned like Really what it's all about is like building those habits and, and eventually hoping that if maybe you're not naturally a person like that, you can build your way into being a person like that. Yeah. Potentially.
1: Exactly. And like I'm not gonna lie, it is hard. <laughs> like it you, is it's really definitely hard. something that takes practice and that you have to stick to even when you don't want to. Like I certainly have not mastered any type of those habits. That was oh, yeah. just an example of like something that we had to do for a month. That yeah. I found myself, you know, noticing more and more. So mm-hmm. I appreciated that.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, wrapping up the year, um, wrapping up the semester, I realized I actually put out my first episode of this show somewhere within the ballpark of a week ago last year. Ooh. So, yeah, that that's a cool little milestone. Um, and just thinking about... Where I've been in that whole time and where, yeah. where we've been, where everything has gone in, in that last year. It's been such a crucial point of, of, of metamorphosis in yeah, truly. my own life. And I thank all of you um, for really tuning in and being a part of that. Tatum, I thank you, obviously. Of course. And I really just can't wait to see where this thing continues to go um, mm-hmm. as we look forward and... Um, bring bring something great to you in this new year. So, I hope everybody has a safe travels home for the holidays and just a great winter break and yeah.
1: I also just want to say like heading into the new year, take a moment to like look back on your year from start to finish and like be proud of what you've overcome and like what has happened this year. I know it may be like little things that don't seem very significant, but you know like Life is hard, man. Sometimes you just got to celebrate the little wins. And, like, whether that's, like, you got all your assignments in on time, like, the whole semester. That's huge. Like, you never ask for an extension. Whatever. It can be anything. But, like, celebrate yourself a little bit. People people need to celebrate themselves more, I think. This is tangential, but I celebrate myself so much sometimes. Like, the other day we were playing, you know the game, like, Fingers?
0: You... You know what this is like starting to sound like, right? Yeah,
1: I know. But okay. you know the game like figures that you do on a can. Yeah. So I guess you're not allowed to celebrate yourself when you get out huh? or else you have to go back in. And I didn't know that. So the first time I got out, I was like, yeah, woohoo. And then everybody's like, oh, you're back in. And then the next time I just did it again, like out of pure, like unconscious. Yeah me just celebrating myself. I was like, woo! And they were like, Tatum, again, go back in. And I did it four times. And the last time I had to like bite my tongue and not celebrate my- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> this is like really off topic, but it got me thinking about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll, t- we'll take a note out of uh, Tatum's book when she's playing fingers. Yes. Um, <laughs> celebrate yourself. Yeah. yeah. Even if nobody else wants you to.
1: Exactly. That's, Yeah. Secret to life.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, anyway, um, we hope to bring you a lot more new topics in the coming year. As always, feel free to reach out to us on socials. Um, Those will be in the after the episode description. As I I just got to say one more time, thank you so much for being a part of this journey with us. We are so excited to see where it goes. And I think there's a lot more growing to do and a lot more topics to cover as we reach the turning point that is finishing college. So oh,
1: absolutely. It's going to be a busy, busy year.
0: Absolutely. Also,
1: sorry, I want to put a little plug. If anybody um, wants to be interviewed or anything or wants to share anything, definitely reach out. Um, we're looking for people always. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Well, Tatum, any, any closing notes?
1: Um, happy New Year. Happy Old Year. Can't wait to keep growing with you.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. I'll see you all in the new year, and I cannot wait to keep growing with you as well.
1: Toodles.